In last week's episode called Ed Therapy versus Tutoring, we took on one of the most frequently asked questions we get as ed therapists, which is, how is ed therapy different from tutoring? We hope you've had a chance to listen to that episode already, as it is the perfect companion to this episode, also in our Ed Therapy series, which we're calling A Session in the Life. If you just listened to last week's episode, we refer to this episode as A Day in the Life, but Steph and I literally just decided to make a change because A Session in the Life is actually a much more accurate title. We're flexible and fluid here at the Learn Smarter Podcast. (laughs) Join us today as we answer another frequently asked question of what does a session actually look like? We're going to describe a quote unquote typical session of ed therapy. Let's dig in. You want to learn faster, but sometimes working harder is just not the answer. You have to learn smarter. The Educational Therapy Podcast. Hi, Smarties. Welcome to episode 08, a session in our ed therapy life. I'm Stephanie Pitts. And I'm Rachel Kapp. This is only one example of a session in each of our practices. It's certainly not representative of every session we have because every session is so unique to the individualized needs of the student or learner. It also isn't representative of how all ed therapists work. Rachel and I have not discussed our typical sessions with each other. We wrote this episode separately, so we're going to be learning alongside our audience on this one. So I'm going first, right, Steph? Yes, you go first. This is very different for us because Steph and I will talk about little things that happen in the session, but I don't think you and I have ever sat down and say, this is how we structure a session. Have we ever done this before? No. No, we haven't. No. We give each other ideas, and sometimes we start off a session in a really fabulous way. Sometimes we end in a really fabulous way, or we did something or had a challenge in the middle of the session. And so we're talking about specific things, but we're not ever kind of doing a deep dive into how we spend the 50 minutes that we have with our client before. So I guess that's the first important thing to tell our audience is that we both do sessions in 50-minute increments. And so the session that I'm going to be describing today is a student who is in the sixth grade. He has ADHD, and he has a ton of self-awareness about his learning profile at this point. I like to call him my ed therapy sponge because he never forgets anything that I ever tell him. I'm going to give him a little anecdote, and I'm hoping at some point we'll be able to have an actual interview with some of our ed therapy clients because I think that would be really interesting for our audience to be able to hear it from their perspective. But I often tell students, and this is anecdotal, to be a chapter ahead. So if they're reading a book with their class, let's always be a chapter ahead of where their class is so that if something comes up at the last minute, it's no big deal and they really don't have an opportunity to fall behind. And I say this, and Steph, I'm sure you say similar things to your clients, right? To be ahead. Yeah, depends on the kids. Some kids, it's that's very hard to get them right. to do. But yes, <laughs> in a perfect world, yes. In a perfect <laughs> world, yes. But exactly, we will give this advice and let's be honest, most people don't take it. Most students don't take it, right? And so we were reading a book 
or he had to read a book and we were updating his calendar and I'm like, okay, well, what chapter are you actually on? And he was like three chapters ahead of his class. I'm like, whoa, that's great. How did you get so far ahead? And he looked at me and he was like, Rachel, don't you remember three weeks ago, you told me always to be ahead. (laughs) And it was a passing comment, but he internalized it. And he, I mean, he's a great client to work with because you can say something and he listens and he actually does it and it's amazing amazing. (laughs) so um this is a typical 50 minute session with him he comes in he has a ton of energy he usually comes in in some sort of panic and i'm very big on hi rachel how are you today rachel rather than jumping off into what we need to do because there's three or four things that i require him to do before he's allowed to panic about an assignment And so he kind of gets it off his chest. That's how he likes to start. Then he settles in. That takes about three to five minutes. And I say that loosely because this is something we're working on, which is getting started faster because we only have 50 minutes. Then for the next seven or eight minutes, he's updating his calendar. Now, he's been a client in the practice for probably over a year at this point. So he knows the expectations of a session and he knows the routine. But I do have to cue him in. And so I will say, okay, what's the first thing we do every time? Update my calendar. And so he opens up and loads his computer. Inevitably, his laptop has no battery. (laughs) (laughs) So at this point, I just have my charger ready to go because I know. And he charges up and we update his calendar by doing a side-by-side calendar. And so what I mean by that is I pull up his online portal. And if you've listened to episode two, I believe, which is how to calendar, you will have heard our opinion on online portals. And so I'm pulling up his online portal on my laptop. He's pulling up his Google calendar on his laptop. So he's quickly able to look back and forth and reconcile them. If you've ever been in an office situation and you've seen those people who have two to three computer screens... It's because it makes things faster. The whole action of minimizing and sliding and going between screens takes up a ton of time. So we just mitigate it that way. So then he reconciles his two calendars, which also leads us into the next step of ed therapy for him and our session, which is to create a plan. He is a student who often struggles with how long things are going to take or even creating a plan. So we are rehearsing this every single time. I'm going to bring up a strategy that I don't think we've talked about on the podcast yet, but Steph and I could probably write a whole episode about how much we love a kitchen timer. Oh, yes. (laughs) So Steph got me a present, and this is not out of the blue, if I'm out and about and I see something that I know would be useful for her in the practice, at this point, I'm buying two of them. Of course. And likewise for (laughs) Steph, if she sees something and she'll just show up and she's like, here. And so um, (laughs) one of my favorite moments of this was when you handed me a kitchen timer from one of my favorite TV shows, which is The Great British Bake Off on Netflix, if you haven't seen it. And (laughs) it allows you to set multiple timers and kind of create an action plan simultaneously. So we're obviously we're not using it for baking, but we're using it for budgeting how much time a specific activity is going to take. This is a really interesting activity to do with students with ADHD or who struggle with time management or who struggle with task initiation, which is getting started, because students, you'll realize, will either have one of 
two kind of themes when they're budgeting their time. They'll either dramatically over budget how long it'll take. So they'll say this assignment will take 35 minutes and that's their prediction when in reality it takes 10 Or you'll have the student who dramatically under budgets time and says, I'll get this done in five to 10 minutes, when in reality, it's a longer assignment that's going to take 30 to 35 minutes. And in reality, how often do you see the kid that over budgets time? The kid who over budgets time far outweighs the kid who under budgets time. What do you see? The kid that thinks that the assignment is going to take 10 minutes and it takes 45 minutes. So you have the opposite. I have the opposite every single time. I never see the over budget. Well, I think this is like a difference in the type of students that we typically work with because I, on the whole, am working with students with ADHD who think things are going to take longer because in the past, because of the ADHD and because of other things interfering with their ability to follow through with a task, maybe weak executive functioning. Yeah. They tend to think things are going to take forever, which also means it takes them forever to start because they're dreading how long it's going to take. Yeah. Fascinating. And see, I have the, oh, I'll start later because it's only going to take me a few minutes. Very interesting. Uh All the time. I never get the kid that schedules too much. That sounds like a dream. Oh, they do. They totally (laughs) over budget in sessions with me. And so this is fascinating stuff. You and I have never had this conversation, (laughs) but it really is just a difference in the populations that we're working with. Totally. Totally. Because of the profiles. Anyway, fascinating. Anyway, he will then have two or three things that he wants to accomplish in a session. He will budget out the time on the timer and he will write the assignment next to it. Now, Not all students get to do this independently. A lot of the times I'm the one writing on the timer, but he's an older student in the practice, meaning he's been around in the practice longer. So he has this level of independence because we don't want the planning of the timer to take more than a minute or two minutes. Right. Session time is precious. Does he know his goals himself or you guys discuss the goals first? In terms of what he's going to plan on the timer? Correct. We have just updated his calendar So as we're updating his calendar, we're having a conversation of, is this something you want to do in here? Or is this something you want to create a plan for at home? Or where is the stress and anxiety coming from? So you're also prioritizing. We're prioritizing simultaneously. Yes, Yes, Yes. I like it. And so let's say he wants to budget time for an ongoing writing project that we've been working on for a couple of months and a math assignment. Because those are two non-preferred tasks. He doesn't really – now he's enjoying them more because he's understanding how to approach things differently. Yeah. It's but, easier, yeah. Yeah, it's easier now that he's been a client for a long time. But those are still non-preferred tasks that he would like a little added support in. So let's say, uh, just for the sake of making it easy, he's budgeting 15 minutes per task. He's not a kid who requires transition time. So we don't have to budget that in for him. He can actually just fluidly go from one assignment to another, especially because of the timer. He doesn't need the transition time. Which is fantastic. Also, just to put into perspective, because I think this helps our audience, do you see him once a week or twice a week? I see him twice a week. Thank you for asking. It's a huge difference. It's a huge difference in seeing a student once a week versus seeing them twice a week. The reason I think both you and I kind of advocate if it's financially and 
time permissive to see a client twice a week Yeah, is because, especially if they're working on executive functioning, which all students with ADHD are working on executive functioning as well, you have that first session in the week to kind of plan out the week. And then you have the second session in the week to follow up on what happened in the last couple of days. Were they successful in the days in between sessions and set a plan in motion moving forward? Kind of constantly revisiting executive functioning. And for him, he has a lot of long-term assignments, has proven to be really meaningful. Steph? I was going to add, he goes, if if I'm correct on which kid this is, which I think I am, but Mm -hmm. he goes to a school that's more project-based. Am I correct? I think you're thinking of a different client. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I will say that there are projects at his school, Mm -hmm. but I think I know which client you're thinking of. It's not that kid. Okay. 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 We're going to have to talk off air about which client you thought I was talking about. (laughs) (laughs) I might be meshing two kids together. I have a feeling that could be happening as well. So let's say he gets to prioritize whether or not we're going to do the writing project first or the math homework first. And we justified the math homework because that was the initial reason for referral was he was melting down at night having to do this math homework. And everybody knew he was bright, but he wasn't executing. And math was taking two to three hours, which if you've listened to our homework episode, something's off if it's taking that long. And I let him decide which one we're going to do first. So he opts to do the writing assignment first. What we're working on specifically in writing is not production of ideas, so not actually getting thought to paper. He's become really, really good at getting his ideas out on paper. What we're actually working on is the editing piece because I believe that he can edit more independently than he is. And so we break it down into a strategy called COPS. Steph, do you use COPS? I don't think I call it that, but I think I do. Okay. Let me tell you what COPS is. It's C-O-P-S. C stands stands for capitalization. And so he reads his whole assignment over for capitalization errors. O stands for oral or out loud reading. P stands for punctuation. And S stands for spelling. So these are all things that mature writers are kind of doing fluidly as they're producing thought, as they're producing ideas in their brain and putting them down on paper or putting them down on Word or on a word processor. Yeah. And we'll definitely probably talk about this more. But I think one of the things that I do, I'm not sure if you do it, Mm -hmm. is that on some of those, especially with the spelling, I have them go backwards. Oh, my God. I love that. So they're not reading the sentences. They're only reading each word independently, and they're much more likely to catch an error. I'm going to add that to my genius idea list. That's (laughs) genius. I feel like you've told me that before. And and if I were like the student, I would just remember and implement it every time. But No, but I think you and I both do that. Like, oh, yeah. (laughs) Like we remind each other of the the things that (laughs) – so – Thank you for reminding me of that. What do you use? Do you have a mnemonic for editing? No, I just – I know, but I think the mnemonic is great. I just literally sit there and say to them, okay, let's read it over one time for what do you need to check for? What do you need yeah. to check for? But I didn't ever put a mnemonic to it, which is much more brilliant than the way I'm doing it. Because he's got it at this point. He knows. Yeah. 
He knows. Yeah. And because his assignment in between sessions is to add on to this project, this editing piece, which is the piece that I want to be there supporting him for, we are routinely doing this in session. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I like the reverse order. Yeah. Like that. Back yeah. in the day when I was teaching preschool, we used to say, kiss your brain, kiss your brain stuff. Well done. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Thanks for that. The next 15 minutes, and we'll transition over whether or not with this student, we transition whether or not he's completed the task because I trust him to complete the task independently at home. So if he has more editing to do than the 15 minutes allows for, we add it to his calendar. And my expectation is by the next time I see him, that editing that we should have completed in that session is completed. And not all students kind of get this leniency for me. Because yeah. some I know he has to earn it. He and he totally has earned it, and I trust. And there have been times where he hasn't been able to follow through, but he's upfront, he's honest, and we're usually so far ahead in terms of the assignment that we have that flexibility for him not always to complete it independently, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Mm-hmm. He has time. He has time. Right. Good. So I we like it. yeah. So we transition over to math, and I'm literally thinking of a session that we just had. And so what he was working on in math were equivalent fractions. And I, he said to me, Rachel, can you just make this easier? Fair question. I think you and I ask each other that all the time. How do I make this easier? (laughs) And so I taught him my, I've made it up. It could be something that I was taught as a student, but I don't know if anybody ever titled it this, but I taught him the magic of one. I sometimes call it the power of one, but usually I call it the magic of one or magical one. Whenever we learn a new concept anywhere, we always are going to take a really simple number. So we have one half. Okay. I have him write one half on graph paper Mm -hmm. with one digit in each box. I will do a session on kind of my whole philosophy on how math should look on a piece of paper. So bear with us. So I have him write one over two. Uh And then I have him use a highlighter and highlight the direct two squares vertically next to the one over two. Are you envisioning it? So he has one over two Uh and the next two squares immediately to the right or honestly immediately to the left, couldn't matter less, need to be highlighted. Okay. Okay. Same colors. Doesn't matter colors. Like, okay. yes, the two squares should be the same color, but I don't care what color you use. Right. Just use a highlighter. Okay. Yeah. And then you're going to multiply by some version of one. So that highlighter becomes a cue for them that they're going to put a fraction in there that equals one. So, for example, two over two equals one. It's some version of one. Three mm-hmm. over three, four mm-hmm. over four, five mm-hmm. over five. So this works for creating equivalent fractions or reducing fractions because you're dividing out a one or you're mu- you're multiplying in a one. Okay. Feel free to do a deep dive on my Instagram because I absolutely have examples of using a magical one okay. there so you can see exactly what it would look like. Okay. And so we went through this and he had used a magical one to reduce fractions so it wasn't a, a big leap. And eventually they don't need the highlighter anymore because they understand the concept. The whole point of the highlighter is to show that the fraction that you're multiplying by equals one. It's very important that they understand that because anything times one equals itself. 
I got it. Okay. Yep. Maybe I should have said that earlier that anything times the reason we're using a magical one is because anything times one equals itself, but it can take different shape and different form. Right. Okay. Okay. Then this student always leaves a couple minutes left at the end of the session for a game. My guess, if I could make a prediction about what you're going to talk about in your typical, quote unquote, typical session stuff is you're going to have more games because you're kind of a game guru. But it just depends on the client and the age of the client, how often we get to play games. And I tend to have younger, a lot of younger kids. You do. You do. So um, he loves Tapple. So he always tries to leave a little bit of extra time for Tapple. As I was writing this part separate of you, I realized I don't really know how to describe Tapple stuff. How would you describe it? It's a circular game. It's a circular game. It's it's much like... Listen, you guys will find out about my game guru-ness at some point, but it's basically a game that has to do with categories and letters. And it doesn't matter what shape because there's a bunch of the same type of game out there. Visual processing and verbal processing. And recall mm-hmm. and, right? So it's it's basically a category. Let's say it was a movie mm-hmm. and you're given a letter mm-hmm. and the letter is... T, mm-hmm. you need to come up with a movie that starts with T. And so I would say The Wizard of Oz. And I would say Thelma and Louise. But only one person is allowed to use the letter T, and then it's gone for the rest of the round. Yeah. So anyway, it's a fast game. The reason that I like it for him is because it's timed. He only has a certain amount of time to come up with an answer, which is a struggle for him because he has a tendency to wander in his brain, so it forces him to focus. And he has to think in terms of categories, which helps in a bunch of different arenas academically. Thinking in categories has to do with when you're writing a paper or writing something, right? You need to categorize what you're going to write and how you're going to write it. It has to do with studying. It gives a framework for a bunch of things. If you think about looking at a social studies book, for instance, right, it's categorized into chapters. And then within each chapter, there's also sections that are categorized. And then within those sections, there's also those bolded mm-hmm. paragraphs. And those those are even more categorized. So it's basically working on that and making sense of it. So that is a typical session for me. Um, Steph, I'm excited. Tell me the age and gender and profile of the student that you're thinking about for your typical session. Okay, so the profile of the student that I am going to discuss is a first grade boy. He doesn't have a diagnosis, but came to me with significant delays in reading and some struggle with math. He's been able to get certain things, but there are holes in what he's understanding. I like that you picked a student who doesn't have a diagnosis because that's a whole population that we work with, too. I definitely have quite a few kids that don't have a diagnosis. But the reason he came to me was because parents were concerned that he was not caught up with the rest of his class. Mm -hmm. So I see this kid twice a week and he comes in. And he loves coming to my office, first of all. And the reason, one of the reasons why he always has this big smile on his face is because my office looks like a Toys R Us. It really does. And he walks in and he's got this, you know, these big eyes of, okay, what am I going to do today? 
So we do the initial, hi, how are you? What's new? How was school? Tell me something you learned today, which sometimes he can answer and sometimes he can't. So sometimes I'll say, what did you laugh at today? Mm -hmm. Or what did you play at recess? Or Mm -hmm. something like that. Just to get, you know, the the session going and, and just sort of connect. And, you know, because he's a little dude, as I call him. And the first three to five minutes, we talk about options of games that he can play. He Mm -hmm. gets to choose definitely one game of his choice on any topic. Okay. It doesn't have to be specific to math or specific to reading, even though they secretly work on those things. Mm -hmm. He thinks it's his own special choice. He thinks it's just a fun game that he gets to play. Exactly. And that's the brilliance that I love. Mm -hmm. So then I pull out a couple of options of games and he'll say yay or nay. And these games that you're pulling out are specifically targeting math and reading. They're specifically targeting math and reading. And what he also doesn't realize is that I'm pulling out, I might pull out two games that are working on the same skill. Got it. And he doesn't realize that. So I'm very specific about what I pull out. But he might like one of them better or we've played the other one last week or whatever it is. Doesn't matter. So which is also why I have so many games. Mm -hmm. And I get bored of playing some of them. P.S. But fair. So he feels like he has some control about what games we're going to play. So he'll get out like three or four games that he thinks he wants to play. A combination of the two of us, Mm -hmm. right? That I've I've offered to him and he's chosen or the one that he – one or two that he's chosen for himself. And he puts them all out on the table. And so then we discuss what order we're going to do them in, mm-hmm. right? His choice, the free time of the session, is always going to be last. Right. He has to earn it. He has to earn it. So we say, okay, this is going to be the game that you're most looking forward to. So that one we're going to play last. So let's talk about these other games. What order would you like to play them in? So he'll go, you know, one, two, three, whatever. And he'll and then he'll actually physically move them and put them in the order sure. he wants to play them on the table. Sure. Interesting. We're specifically working on sight words okay. and just first grade reading in general. Mm-hmm. So I pull out a couple of book options of what we're going to work on. So he'll choose one of the books that I have. That we're going to read. And they're short little 16-page books Mm -hmm. that have, you know, two to three sentences on each page Mm -hmm. that are at his specific level. We're working through each level Mm -hmm. together. So with him, I can't necessarily just dig in, right? He wants – he's really game-focused and that's his his way of really getting into the session. That's his currency. For sure. So we might then play – For 10 minutes, we'll play a game called Sight Word Swat. And this game is brilliant for little boys because it's basically these cardboard cutouts of flies Mm -hmm. that have on each side, it has like a different level. So there's like the first grade, like easier level. There's the second grade level. And I think there's also like the primer level. So pre-kindergarten or kindergarten. So I'll put them all out on the table and I'll spread them all out so you can see all of them. Then there's different color fly swatters. And so what he does then is he chooses his color because this is important. He chooses his color swatter and he will look at all of the words spread out on the table and he swats them and reads them. 
as he reads them. So those are the ones he chooses. He swats them. I'm making a note to buy this game as we speak. This game is one of my favorite because for the the little dudes that you know have this like the energy after yeah. school, right? They have this energy that's just like mm-hmm. right. It's such a great way to get it out, and they've accomplished something in like knowing that specific word. So they're all just sight words and words that he's working on. So we'll play that game for, you know, 10 minutes. If he gets, like, there's a word that he might not know, we might go back and forth and I'll throw in one of the harder words and I'll say it and swat it and then I'll show it to him so that he'll have the connection made Mm -hmm. as to what the word is. Mm -hmm. But then that way sometimes he doesn't have to engage in some of the harder words and he tends to shy away and doesn't want to do some of them. So we'll play that game for 10 minutes or so depending on how long his attention span is. Um, and by then he's pretty revved up and, and excited and happy. And so then usually I have the buy-in for a book. So I'll pull out the book that we're reading. And I think last week we read The Fire or something, mm-hmm. right? We're working on the long E, you know, mm-hmm. the long vowel with the E. So we'll read a few pages and we'll decide beforehand how many pages he needs to read for this little segment of reading. And he'll always want to negotiate down. Yeah, yeah, right? So then I just go up, right? Mm-hmm. So then we find something in the middle. You know, I'll say four pages. He'll say two. I'll say, okay, five. And yeah. He'll go, okay, fine, four, right? <laughs> so <laughs> something my mom taught me. Yeah. So then we'll read that book. And then just as he's hitting his, like, frustration level, I'll put it aside. So then we'll go to the next game that we've decided to do. Can I just jump in? Because you're yeah. talking about his frustration level. And I'm thinking for our audience, what if they don't know the frustration level? Uh-huh, uh-huh. So how is that something that you kind of pick up on? Because I know the frustration level for clients that have been with me longer than two months, let's say. Because they had to have hit that frustration level in order for us to know where their limit is. Yes. Yeah, so and also... One of the things that you and I have talked about is the the 5% challenge. Right. Mm -hmm. That is, and just to explain it to our audience, is when a client feels like they're done or they want to give up or they've hit this frustration level. We challenge them. We challenge them to do just a little bit more, which is what I do with him. Mm -hmm. And not that I tell him that, but um, that's what I do with him. And basically, his frustration level shows up where he starts to get really goofy. Ah. And he'll start making these funny noises or he'll say the words in different accents or he'll become a pirate all of a sudden mm-hmm. because he wants to go slower because it's getting harder. <laughs> yeah. And he'll he'll go. Yeah. It's, he's really uh, he's adorable. Yeah. And so he'll do that or he'll he'll want to say, oh, can we play this? Or he'll just get, you know, be anywhere else but the book. Mm-hmm. So that's when I know he, you know, and I can usually sense, I, I know about where, when he's going to hit his point. So so I put the book away and I we immediately transition into a game, right? And there doesn't need to be, because I'm using the game as the transition time, there doesn't need to be any back and forth between those. Mm-hmm. So the next game that I'll pull out is a math game because I'm, I'm very much working on both of those concepts with him. Mm-hmm. So there's a game called pop for math i think it's called and basically it's all of these little math problems that are printed on cardboard and they're in the shape of gumballs and on one side is a color and on one side is you know three minus two or five plus four or whatever it is right and there's a little spinner 
and you spin and it tells you how many gumballs to pull out of the little gumball holder, mm-hmm. right? And you can't see what you're picking out. So he'll pick out, you know, he'll roll. The most you can get is three. So he'll spin and he'll get three and he'll pull them out and he will answer the math problems. And I play along with this game also. So I'll do the math problems also so he can see me doing them in my head or or if he needs to use his fingers. This is a really good practice. And the goal is to get the most gum. Okay. Right? So he, even though... It's doing more work to do three. He has a higher chance of winning if he spins a three versus if I spin a one. So he's more willing to do more problems because he wants to beat me. He wants to win. Yeah, which especially for him, mm-hmm. like he really wants to win. He's all about it. <laughs> so um, so we'll do that game for, you know, five between five to ten minutes, depending on how long I can get him to to stay engaged. And once we're done with that, we go back to the book. We read another section. So that's about another five minutes of reading, I would say. By this time, usually he's hit a point. Mm-hmm. And so what I'll do is I'll say, you want to jump on the trampoline? Mm-hmm. And I don't know that I've mentioned this, but I have a trampoline in my office. And so we'll put the trampoline down and he'll get two minutes of jumping. And I have this, um, it's like a dartboard, but it's magnets. Right. And so he'll jump on the trampoline and throw the magnets up mm-hmm. on the dartboard, which if I can get him to add what he gets with the magnets on the dartboard, even better. But mm-hmm. sometimes I can't. Mm-hmm. But that's okay. The jumping uh, and the throwing is actually crossing – it's an exercise that crosses the midline of their brain because he's having right. to do two things at once, which increases yes. fluidity of thinking and and complex reasoning and all these wonderful right. things. And he goes home to his brother and he – makes his brother jealous that he gets to come and jump on a trampoline in my office, which is hilarious. Right. So while he's jumping on the trampoline too, then sometimes I will – we're working on certain sight words. And so I've made flashcards of the words that we're working on. Mm -hmm. And once he's mastered them, I put them away. Right. So we'll have so many flashcards and I'll hold them up while he's jumping and he'll say them. Mm Mm-hmm. Right, which he's totally fine and enjoying with, and sometimes he's just silly with them and whatnot. But he's very good about saying, I don't know or I don't remember. Mm -hmm. And these are sight words where the rules – they don't follow the rules of English, right? That's why they're a sight word. English doesn't play fair. No. So these are non-fair playing words. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So so we'll do that, and then we'll go back and we will finish the book. Right? By that time. So, you know, it's it's a couple of minutes of jumping. Sometimes it's two. Sometimes it's maybe four, depending on, on how he is. And then we'll do another few minutes, maybe three or four minutes of the book, depending on how much is left. Um, and sometimes we don't finish the book at all, but it depends. Then this point, we're at about the last, you know, seven minutes of the session. Right. And we get five minutes of him playing the game of his choice or a learning game on the iPad. So we'll we'll have a discussion on what he wants to do. It depends on the day, but we'll we'll do one of those for a few minutes. And then we'll end the session and we'll talk about what we did that day. What was the thing that he learned or what was the thing that the word or, you know, sometimes we'll talk the about what was hard. The big takeaway of the day. The big takeaway, right? The, and, yes, I do this a lot with students as well. And I also have him come up with something that he's going to tell his mom. In a session where he's having this much fun, 
I think you and I are both mindful of we don't want him going home and reporting to his parents. Like, I jumped on the trampoline for half the session today because right, the right. parent has yeah. no way. Okay, so talk about this because we both do this. And, you know, I think the parents, you know, I talk to them too, so I think that they know. And, you know, it's a reasonable amount for a first grade kid mm-hmm. to not be able to to sustain attention for 50 minutes after school. Right. Exactly. So we'll sit there and I'll say, so what did we play today? Or why did we, why did we play that? What were we working on? Or what book did you read? What do you remember about the story? Or whatever it is that day that I can have him reflect on. Some days are better than others. Some days he can talk up a storm. Some days it's very hard to pull things out. And I think this added piece of talking out loud about what we did gives them an opportunity for self-realization, for demystification of their own learning profile. Because if we can take the game that we did with the student or the strategy that we did with the student and then they're able to verbalize it later on, it's solidifying that information and allows for easier recall of that information when it becomes important again in the future, right? Just like we were talking about in episode three, which is the do's and don'ts of studying, you take the information and you do something with it and it becomes more active. Even though he's not studying for a test per se, he's learning that information. So in a nutshell, that's what a good day session will look like with him. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much for listening today. Be sure to tell a friend about Learn Smarter, the educational therapy podcast. We're really invested in broadening awareness about educational therapy, but more importantly, serving families who we don't have direct access to in our community. So if you would like to have direct access to Steph and I and you want to make a connection with us, be sure to go to our website, learnsmarterpodcast.com, and click on the Work With Us page. We'd be so honored to work with you in a one-on-one strategy session or shoot us an email. We are excited when we get emails from you guys. Our email is learnsmarterpodcast at gmail.com. Have a great day. Bye. Bye. 